We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I'm back. It's the Dynasty Command Center podcast on Rotoviz Radio. Welcome into the Dynasty Command Center podcast. I'm so excited. I almost forgot that it was my turn to speak there, Curtis. <laughs> this is the first time I will be on the yeah. show. We are kind of reprising, repurposing to some degree here. It is the Dynasty Command Center podcast. I am Dave Cabin, one of the owners at Rotoviz, joined by the Dynasty Commander himself, Curtis Patrick. Curtis, how are we doing? Doing great, man. It feels awesome to be uh, dusting off this logo uh, near and dear to my heart. So many, I mean, 100 plus episodes of this pod that are, you know, a couple years in arrears now. Lots of work with Ryan McDowell back in the day, Travis May back in the day. And man, I mean, hey, the road of his subs, road of his uh, radio listeners, they wanted more Dynasty. We're going to give them more Dynasty, Dave. And, uh, you know, last week I, I unleashed the Dynasty Command Center uh, in written form on rotoviz.com and this is going to be the accompanying podcast. The, the cool thing about the podcast is on Wednesday mornings, when you're going to be listening to this, probably you're going to be hearing me as I'm working through the article on Tuesday night. And so you're going to get the takes a little bit more raw uh, as I'm working through what happened the week before, how I want to leverage that into how I'm attacking the rest of the season. We're also going to highlight some of maybe the dynasty takeaways from other articles on the site, even if they're redraft uh, minded. You know, there's always a dynasty application, man. There's always a dynasty spin to every bit of content that's on the site. And it'll be cool to have Dave kind of prompting it up. I mean, the various iterations of this podcast over the years, you know, you know, I had basically I had, you know, Ryan and Travis helping to play hosts so that I could bring the takes. And Dave and I go back and forth all the time on the Root of His Radio Fantasy Football Podcast. But, you know, this one, you know, I'm going to bring the dynasty stuff. Dave's going to keep it framed up and he's going to he's going to sprinkle in some takes, too. But, you know, I'm, I'm just really excited, man. I've, I've been waiting to do this for a long time, and we'll get some other guys from the site involved over the course of the season, I'm, I'm sure, as well. Yep. A couple of quick housekeeping notes on the podcast front. So this episode will get posted on the DCC feed as well as the Rotoviz Fantasy fo Football Show feed because I want to make sure that people that listen to that feed know that in the middle of the week, that's where they're going to be able to find us. Uh, it also will be posted on the main Rotoviz feed, and then going forward, you'll get it on the main Rotoviz feed as well as the DCC feed. 
All right, Curtis, we've got the housekeeping out of the way. We have a week of action here in the books. A lot of young players showing what they could do this weekend. One player that played last night put on a very encouraging performance. Talk to me about New York Jets running back Brees Hall. Man, Brees Hall was a revelation, man. And, you know, there were so many things that were wrong with that Bills-Jets game from Josh Allen's play to, you know, I don't know, potentially the end of Aaron Rodgers' career to having to stomach another season of Garrett Wilson underperforming versus what we know he's capable of yep. versus Gabe Davis not showing up. I mean, there's there was so much going on in that game. But one thing that anybody with eyes could see is that Brees Hall was one of the best athletes on the field last night. And he was just electric from the jump. I mean, he had over 100 yards just on his first two carries. An 80-plus yarder, 26-yarder. He doesn't look like a guy that that just tore his knee, you know, less than a year ago. I'll say that much. So it's it's highly encouraging. And one thing that we talked about over on the main pod a couple weeks ago, and it, all this stuff will be here, of course, now on the DCC, is you know the the trouble with identifying who's who's the dynasty RB one anyway, and then you know even if we could agree on who it is, like what's the relative value of the running backs to the wide receivers and the quarterback and super flex. And, you know, Hall at 10 rushing attempts, 127 yards, despite the presence of Dalvin Cook, despite the presence of Dalvin Cook out carrying him and looking far inferior, you know, a reception for 20 yards. I mean, Hall is explosive every time he touched the ball and he looks every bit the home run hitter. You know, we didn't see this type of, I guess, dynamic ability in week one anyway from Bijan Robinson or Jameer Gibbs. You know, those are the three players that I think are commonly, you know, by most dynasty pundits going to be considered in that RB1 discussion. Maybe some people hanging on to Jonathan Taylor here or there. Maybe some people that just, you know, like that redraft hammer approach would still have Christian McCaffrey even in that conversation. But Dave, as I'm thinking about my midweek dynasty rankings update, I got to ask myself, where does Brees Hall factor in? And I, I think right now, it's hard not to put them at the tippy top. You know, I mean, Bijan Robinson and Tyler Algier, I mean, they're, it's a timeshare. As good as, you know, Bijan, we know we, he can be. It doesn't look like the Falcons, at least this year, are going to hand the, the full reins over. And Jameer Gibbs was standing on the sideline for a lot of that. That Detroit game way back <laughs> on Thursday. No, I can change week to week, but these guys are all young. And Brees looked so good last year. And now after seeing him pick right up where he left off, it's like, why wouldn't you have this guy at the top? So I can tell you, you know, I had him number two in my preseason dynasty rankings. He was behind Bijan Robinson. He's going to be number one in the update. It's a small tweak, but I think it's, it's material. It changes your, your roster value. And, you know, in the event that you would have some crazy dude that's just like, hey, Aaron Rodgers got hurt. You know, the Jets season is, is weird. Or maybe you've got like a rebuilder where Hall's their only piece and they're willing to, to ship it off early after this, you know, big game. I think you, you can either kick the tires or, you know, just be really appreciative that you've got Brees Hall on your roster. I'm, I'm absolutely pumped. And Sean Siegel in his article, you know, this week was saying things like Brees Hall, Brees Hall's run instantly trams formed itself into a myth. <laughs> He's saying Hall is a mix of David Johnson and Jonathan Taylor. Um, can you reach the fabled heights of Barry Sanders and Jamal Charles? I mean, I mean, maybe, you know, maybe. 
So I think that that all matters from a dynasty perspective. Um, so, you know, these tweaks at the top can be really important. It's going to affect how startups go next year. And, you know, one thing that, that Sean and Ben talked about from a redraft perspective and how they wanted to approach drafts this year was trying to predict the 2024 ADP and draft those players as they're going to break out this year. Well, we also want to try to acquire the players that are going to be going early in the 2024 startups because that's always going to be the way that, you know, we, we can churn those rosters and increase the the value. So I don't know. I mean, is, is it an overreaction from your perspective, Dave, to to bump Brees up over Bijan Robinson after a single week? Um, you know, I'm, I'm interested in your take there. Uh yeah, I would say I don't think that it's an overreaction, uh, to be honest. And there's really a couple uh, reasons for that. I think the first being that we now have a sample that isn't just that one game. And sure, it informs it, but it's just another thing that coincides with everything that we thought and have thought about Brees Hall. You add that into the fact that, you're sure, you got to see an exciting touchdown reception from Bijan uh, Robinson in that Falcons game. But... Though there are questions about both teams now, you still have a smaller section uh, of, you know, opportunity there. It's looking like for Robinson in comparison to Hall. Hall showed he just needs a couple of plays to make big things happen. It might be the same for Robinson at this point. But I mean, we thought both of these guys were very, very good prospects. So far from what we've seen, they're living up to it. As a result of that, I think it's perfectly fair, you know, and maybe it is splitting hairs to some degree. Uh, but it's certainly, you know, um, more than reasonable, I think, to have Hall move into into that first slate. And it's I don't think it's an overreaction. Yeah, I think the other thing that I would add here is, I mean, Bijan Robinson, he did have 20, you know, PPR in his yeah. first game. And he averaged five yards a carry and he had the six receptions like all that's, you know, super great. Um, and, and maybe in that part time role, we can continue to produce like that. But the difference with Brees versus Bijan and versus Jameer Gibbs is Yes, he's still in a timeshare, but he vastly outperformed the other guy. Right. And, you know, arguably, Dalvin Cook is the stiffest, you know, competition. You you can argue that from any number of directions, but, I mean, Cook's certainly the most impressive from a a career perspective if we're uh, talking about David Montgomery and Tyler Algier, respectively, as the guys in those other backfields. So the value of what's going to happen this year does matter in Dynasty in addition to you know, you know, the, the, the prospect rating coming out, the age of the players, you know, et cetera. So I'm going to make that little tweak, you know, let me know what you think. You can hit me at C Patrick NFL on the X. And if you, you know, disagree, we can have some, some back and forth, or, you know, if you do agree and you're pumped up, you know, just let me know uh, that, that you love hearing that. Uh, Dave, I also want to talk about some of the rookie wide receivers. Yeah, for sure. Last, last weekend in my article, I talked about, specifically what would happen with Zay Flowers and Jordan Addison based off of, you know, what I, I felt would be true about their week one roles. They were going to have larger roles in week one than Jackson Smith and Jigba. And that is what played out. Now you can argue that the Seahawks just had, you know, a weird game and Gino looked bad and, you know, JSN's coming off the wrist and, you know, it's going to take a couple weeks and you know, that's fine. I'm not changing my outlook on JSN at all. I think he's going to be an absolute stud, but there's an inequity in the market when, you know, you see multiple rounds of, of difference um, from a redraft and from a dynasty startup perspective on Zay Flowers and Jordan Addison. When I see Zay Flowers come out and get 10 targets in his first game as a Raven and really look like the only exciting thing in the offense, you know, granted, Mark Andrews wasn't in that game, but 
Jeez, I mean, flowers looked awesome all summer. We heard positive report after positive report, and we saw highlight after highlight after highlight in training camp and in preseason. You know, and he went nine receptions for 78 yards. He caught nine to 10 targets. I mean, it was an awesome debut. You can't, you can't hope for anything more. I mean, he looked as good as any receiver we've seen in the Lamar Jackson era. There was Holly, Hollywood Brown-esque, except, you know, maybe more dynamic even. So you know, you have to make the adjustment to start bumping Zay Flowers up your rankings. And then similarly, you know, Addison's in a little bit more of a clogged situation because he doesn't just have Justin Jefferson there. He's got TJ Hawkinson, who's going to get some of his as well. But four for 67 and a touchdown on six targets from Kirk Cousins and the Vikings offense looks great. I mean, he got, he got deep for a big play. Those plays are going to be there all year when you're dealing with Justin Jefferson on the other side, who had 150 yards of his own. So, you know, Addison and Flowers will be movers in my rankings. And, you know, I, you know, it's just changing, man. You know, it's, it's just going to be, it's going to change a lot of things. I think after, even just after a single week, you know, maybe for the 2023 value, you would have still had some players like, I don't know, Devontae Adams still in front of those rookies, right? And, you know, I, I think you have to ask yourself, am I willing to take the risk that Adams outperforms Jacoby Myers the rest of the year and, and actually provides more value just in this single year than some of these rookies would, you know, this is all the stuff that's kind of at play. So I'll outline this in the article, um, you know, today, I guess it would come out later today for listening Wednesday morning, but what we want to do is not overreact, not underreact, just react. And, you know, there was a, there was a, a value issue there between Zay and Addison and JSN and we got to compress those values a little bit based off of what we've seen. For sure. And one thing that I will note is that um, these rookie performances, you know, you might be tempted to think, and of course, in this case, it's just one game. But what we have shown is that when you have players that come out and they put up performances like this as rookies, and then you track players like that as they move into the next phases of their career, they do tend to be pretty outstanding. You know, being able to, in your first game, get 10 targets, convert such a high rate of those, you know, in the case of Flowers, already getting inserted like that, it just speaks volumes about what that player could be able to do. So those are things we love to see. It'll be really exciting to track him uh, in the Rotoviz screener, especially looking to see what group of players he falls into as we start to move forward in the year. So that was your thoughts on Addison and flowers. Any thoughts on JSN? No, I mean, I, I think, you know, you've, again, you know, the reaction is, you know, to just take in the information. Seattle had a bad game. Gino didn't look great. Uh, the whole passing offense was just off and you know he's coming back from the wrist. I think it's mm-hmm. remarkable that he only missed two weeks after wrist surgery. I mean, it's kind of crazy. It speaks to maybe what we could expect from him playing through injury, being willing to play at less than 100% uh, for the duration of his career. I mean, I think those are all positive indicators. We knew that we would need to be patient with them. I mean, geez, a couple of weeks ago, we were thinking we wouldn't see him till October 1st. So, you know, we also know that rookie wide receivers and, and rookies in general tend to, the highly drafted ones, tend to hold their value through their first year. So, no, nothing about JSN as a prospect changed. Um, but, you know, these other guys had great draft pedigree and, you know, while they didn't have necessarily as strong of profile prospect profiles as JSN, they had some real strengths in their profiles that we detailed going all the way back to the road of his uh, fantasy football rookie draft guide last winter. And so now to see that show up 
in week one, you know, you, you have to make that, that change. I mean, with, with, with Addison, you know, for example, being potentially the number two uh, in that offense uh, alongside Justin Jefferson, you know, where we're potentially looking at him going by the end of the year. I mean, this is well within the range of outcomes is similar to the other one B or, you know, strong number twos in big time passing offenses. You could see him be rated and valued similarly to T Higgins or Devonte Smith. So you have to, you have to quickly make that change. And I know it's several rounds of difference, even than a startup you did a couple of weeks ago, but you have to think about those things. And with Zay Flowers, you know, it's probably about the same, you know, as long as Mark Andrews is there, especially when you're playing tight end premium formats, like our road of his triflex leagues over on my you know, flowers might, might very well be the number two in Baltimore, but if they're going to pass enough for him to get six, seven, eight targets, even if Andrews is around, he could be valued in that very same range. So, you know, we, we make the adjustment on those guys and we don't penalize Jason for not doing things that we didn't think he would do anyway. There is one other rookie that I wanted to mention. Oh, okay. You go have for to it. chime in on that. Yeah. No, no, no. Go ahead. Give us this one more rookie. Uh, then, then I'm moving things along, Curtis. You know what I mean? You put me in this role. I'm going to make sure that, uh, you know, I do. The best track, I can I'll go it. for three hours on dynasty. I, I you know, know you will. So, yeah. So the, the other guy, I mean, it's Puka Nakua, man. I mean, you know, now oh this is going to be a huge adjustment. And this is where, you know, again, we want to react. We don't want to overreact, but we also don't want to underreact. You know, the proper reaction is, you know, in your shorter dynasty leagues, like on myffpc.com, you better make sure that he's not available on waivers. The reaction is go pay an absurd amount on waivers to get him on your team because he was used like Cooper Cup and produced about like Cooper Cup in the first week. And even if Cooper Cup comes back, you know, uh, now we've seen what this guy, you know, is capable of, you know, even if that's the best performance ever of his career, there's a lot of guys that have never, you know, put up what 10 catches for 119 yards or whatever it was. Um, so, you know, you, you, you've got to, you've got to make him rosterable in short bench leagues. And then, you know, you've got to move him up and you got to move him up in your, your dynasty ranking. He's the type of guy now where if you're making early season trades in September, you're asking for a player like that uh, as a potential you know, leveler and a trade offer and try to get him in there instead of asking for a future third or something, ask for a guy like that. And then, you know, again, if you're absolutely loaded at wide receiver and you don't really want to take a chance that it was a, a Travis uh, Fulham type situation that we had with the Eagles a couple of years ago, where we had that monster uh, performance because yep. that's also possible. You know, it also makes sense to, Hey, put him out there, you know, Nakua, and, you know, your future third for a future first. See if somebody is like, you know, crazy about him and wants to come get him. You just, you put the stuff out there, you know, you don't send absurd trade offers, but you could put them on your, you can put them on your wire and see what happens. You know, it's worth it. If you don't do it, you're not going to get an offer probably. So put them out there. But it was really impressive, man. It, you know, and we, you know, in the article, I'll go into some other things that happened in that Rams offense with other young wide receivers, but you know, I couldn't record this episode this week without mentioning Nakua. Yeah, definitely not. As you noted there, we saw another uh, receiver in Tutu Atwell have a really interesting game, much to the chagrin of supporters of Van Jefferson, uh, like I had been during the offseason. So like you said, you've got to make reactions here. I think oftentimes the worst thing you can do is just not react and think that, you know, that game that happened was going to be an outlier, not catch up to how things go. But 
We need to talk here quickly. You know, you mentioned Rotoviz Triflex leagues. We had a quarterback throw 54 passing attempts over the weekend, led the league in attempts, missed a couple of throws early, but actually finishes with the highest on target percentage of all players with notable passes and the second highest catchable rate of passes and actually puts up three touchdowns. And that, of course, is Mac Jones, a name that would have been easy to forget about given what we saw from New England's offense last year. We know they bring in Bill O'Brien, some changes made to the way that offense has been structured this year. Those coaching changes start to look like we're going to see a lot more out of that New England offense. What are your thoughts on Mac after having seen week one? One of my absolute favorite things in the entire world is attending live events. The atmosphere, the sound, all the little intricate details you can see when you're there live in person. It is just an amazing time. One of the biggest downsides though of it can be the stress and trying to find tickets before the event to make sure you get the best seats. And that is where game time comes in. Buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for sports, music, comedy, and theater near you with killer deals on last minute tickets and their best price guarantee you can stop stressing over tickets start getting hyped for the fun that you're about to have game time is the place to get those last minute ticket deals and it's the fastest growing ticket app in the country for a reason exclusive flash deals on all the events coming up and you can buy tickets in a matter of seconds two taps and you're set and you can snag tickets today without the stress with game time download the game time app create an account and you Use the code RotoViz for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code RotoViz for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, first off, just for um, appearances, I want to make sure that everyone understands that I asked to talk about Mac Jones. This isn't just Dave plugging Patriots players on DCC. Yes. <laughs> there is a little bit of uh, accountability here. You know, it's it's tough because we're trying to react. We're not trying to overreact. But, you know, let's just take this at face value. So Mac Jones was a highly drafted round one. Uh, you know, he he's a, a big time a college prospect. Uh, he was highly productive in Alabama and a pro style offense. He comes into the NFL and, you know, really just doesn't get great care. Uh, and, and 
in New England over his first couple of seasons. You have questionable talent surrounding him, definitely questionable offensive coaching um, acumen. And so now he gets Bill O'Brien and, you know, Bill O'Brien coached him all off season and Bill O'Brien understands the Mac Jones system uh, from Alabama. The interviews that I read over the summer, Mac Jones was really raving about, Hey, uh, Bob is doing some things where he's combining the existing new England offense with some, some schemes and some familiarities from, you know, Alabama's offense. And it's, you know, it's leveraging all the things that, that I do well. So, I mean, Jones is really comfortable and for him to come out and play like this with the, you know, again, still somewhat questionable talent around him against the Philly defense. I mean, you, you talked about how impressive, you know, the volume was and the yardage. I mean, doing this against Philly, I mean, geez, you know, that that's, I mean, I took notice for sure. Um, one thing that Sean Siegel mentioned in his, you know, kind of reaction uh, article on Monday evening was, hey, the last time Bill O'Brien was a coordinator in New England, Tom Brady threw it 611 times for over 5,000 yards. Now, okay, we're not drawing a, a direct line to that, but you know, it, it was, they could throw it 600 times. You know, I don't know if it's 600 Tom Brady level attempts, um, but, you know, I, I think we have to be open to the idea that Mac Jones could be like a Kirk Cousins level producer or something if this thing really hits. And so, yeah, I mean, he's got some super flex appeal. I've got him on a couple of rosters. I'm going to actually have to ask myself, you know, even if he was like my three and he would typically just be a bi-week type guy, you know, would I start him over, um, you know, typical, you know, QB twos this week? Would I start him in, in favorable matchups over, you know, guys like, you know, Matthew Stafford, Kirk Cousins, Russell Wilson, you know, those are not players I was looking to play him over in week one, but now I got to ask myself the question. So this is big. And if Mac Jones is good, we then have to make some adjustments to the rest of the Patriots. And so this is a good segue, Dave, into some dynasty waivers chat. And I really want to make sure that this is a robust segment each week, because I know people are playing in all different types of leagues. we got super flex, We've got PPR. We've got people playing on short bench leagues like my FFPC, the high stakes dynasty uh, kingdom there. But then we've got people playing in these, you know, huge roster type systems over on myfantasyleague.com. And so it's always difficult to give dynasty waivers advice unless you make it, you know, con- kind of a, a multi-headed beast because, you know, every league's different. And so I, what I did is I went to a couple different league formats in my for- portfolio I'm playing about 15 dynasty leagues this year. And one name that I see pop up as available uh, in, in several of these leagues is Kendrick Bourne. And if Kendrick Bourne is even the number two option in an offense that's going to pass 50 plus times a couple times this year, I mean, he's at least worth adding to your bench uh, to, you know, to be a fill-in guy. And, you know, there's an off chance that he could be the wide receiver one on a team that still maybe distributes the ball to a bunch of different people, you know, like the running backs, like Hunter Henry. But if Juju's not fully healthy, I mean, there's zero reason that Kendrick Bourne couldn't go for 800, you know, 800, 900 yards and six, seven touchdowns. You know, he's, he's flashed that type of potential before. So Kendrick Bourne is, is one of the players I wanted to mention in maybe like a, a middle size dynasty league that could potentially have been, you know, a late summer cut. You know, if you're, you're playing with rosters between 20 and 25 in depth, you're going to find them available 
in some of those leagues. What, you know, you're a Patriots fan. You think, you know, Bourne's worth, worth adding. Yeah, I definitely do. I think that, um, the feel that you get having watched that game and you go back and look at the numbers and you see when Mac was targeting him does seem like a player that Mac is comfortable syncing up with. And that should be playing a pretty pivotal role in that offense this year. Things kind of turn around for the offense. Once they started getting Hunter Henry involved, he had a couple of nice completions to Henry. Then he started to look elsewhere and the next spot. He was looking was very often Kendrick Bourne. Uh, you know, we saw Jacoby Myers have some run with this team last year. I think it's very reasonable to that, you know, to assume that Bourne's going to be able to approximate that. As you mentioned, with this change in this offense, I do think you're going to get some games with pretty high passing volume as a result of that, you know, gives Bourne a lot of opportunity to deliver on whatever it is that you have to extend to go acquire him. So he's more of a veteran guy. You know, I don't think you need to necessarily run out and acquire him if you're a team that's truly in a total rebuild. But, you know, for anyone that has, you know, playoff aspirations for big time contenders, you know, maybe even anybody that, you know, rosters Juju and is a little worried about what's going to happen there. You know, maybe you take him and if Juju looks truly busted, you know, maybe you end up, I mean, even dropping Juju in a, a league like that that has shorter benches, you know, at some point. This year, um, other players to look for on in your FFPC league. So these are a little bit shallower. These are some players that are available in, in my leagues as I look across my portfolio. Rashid Shahid, uh, Romeo Dobbs, Hunter Henry, Justice Hill, Puka Nakua is available in one of those leagues. I think those are all players that you need to go out there and, and check. And they could be big time contributors, you know. Puka, obviously, while Cooper Cup's out, Justice Hill now has the opportunity with J.K. Dobbins uh, being out for the season again. Uh, Hunter Henry, and tight end premium, he might be a league winner. I mean, you you can go lay, you know, 30, 40% on him if you want in your in your FFPC tight end premium dynasty leagues. And then Romeo Dobbs and Rashid Shahid, I mean, these are both, you know, early career guys with big time opportunities to probably be you know, like the number twos in their offense. So, you know, you go out, you go out and get them. I mean, you know, Dobbs seems like he's the trusted target of Jordan Love and he wasn't even at full health uh, in, in week one. It was fairly productive. And Rashid Shahid, I think probably will be the number two to Chris Olave. And we've seen what kind of big play ability he's had through his first you know, season plus a game in the NFL. So I think those are all guys you should consider. Uh, any of those stand out before I get to my deep league special, Dave? No, I just think that those are a lot of um, encouraging names. And uh, I think it just really speaks to how engaged you really have to be in Dynasty. You you have one week, but there's already some pretty big implications of moves that you could make already. So some exciting players there to to go out and, uh, you know, try to add to your team. All right. So my deep league special, this is for those leagues that are, you know, 25 and above. I, I see him available and several of my deeper dynasty leagues and the leagues where he's not available are just leagues where I already rostered him. Um, so I think he's probably pretty widely available and just others are a little slow uh, on this player and it's tight end Kylan Granson, Dave. Okay. Uh, for the Indianapolis Colts. And there's a couple things going on here. You know, first off um, you know, the Colts, Passing attack is, you know, kind of up for grabs, right? I mean, they've got a, a new quarterback, um, Anthony Richardson, you know, as a rookie, we don't know where his allegiances are going to lie. Uh, we also have, you know, a thin tight end position in Dynasty. And so we always want to be trying to find a way to get a little bit of an edge there, anything that can help our roster. And, you know, there's a lot of room to run for a player who was, you know, 
pretty impressive in week one. He had six targets, Dave, uh, four receptions and 60, uh, caught 67% of his targets, rather, uh, four receptions of those six. And then he had 39 yards. Um, super big target. Uh, I think he's going to be attractive guy to, to get at in the, in the end zone. Um, you know, he's more of a, a receiving type of player, only weighs 241 pounds, did run a four, six, four 40 back in the combine. And, um, you know, I mean, he averaged half a receiving touchdown a game, uh, his final uh, season in college, you know, he has 17% market shares, final season in college, uh, career 22% market share of touchdowns. Uh, in college at, at SMU. And if he was playing with some of those other, you know, big time SMU you know, receivers in his time there, you know, had some overlap with Court and Sutton, had some overlap with Rasheed Rice. So, I mean, you know, this is something to keep in mind. He also did play primarily wide receiver uh, in college from an alignment perspective. So lots, lots to take in here, but, you know, if it's deeper in dynasty, you have to squint a little bit to see some of the values and, you know, I look at Granson's line. He's a little bit of an older second-year guy, but I compare him to what we saw from, you know, I don't know, uh, Luke Musgrave and Pat Fryermuth and Dalton Kincaid and a lot of these other younger guys that we're really excited about. You know, he's a little bit older, but it's still just his, you know, second season in the NFL, and he produced right alongside with them. So it's possible he could, you know, vault into that same discussion with some of those other players. And you could even make a case. You could argue that with Michael Pittman, probably on the way out after this season, that Granson could really even be, you know, the top target for a mobile quarterback like Anthony Richardson. If you think about the big mobile guys over the course of their career, I mean, who was Cam Newton's, you know, favorite guy for so many years in Carolina, you know, you had the Greg Olson connection and, you know, there's, there's all, you know, Russell Wilson had Jimmy Graham early in his career and, you know, you've seen this kind of play out. Now, I'm not making that direct correlation that he's that type of talent necessarily, but, you know, we got to be open to the idea that in a concentrated passing attack, it, you know, the number two might not be a wide receiver. It could be somebody like Granson. Yeah, and I think the other thing just to kind of add on to that is we have seen cases where, uh, you know, if you're not paying attention, it kind of feels like a tight end is just coming out of nowhere. You know, all of a sudden you realize that they're relevant just because lots of times there's a pack of players that are very notable and then you just have this whole pool of other guys. But if you're not paying attention, it feels like they came out of nowhere, but there's normally some signal, some sign there. So I, I like that recommendation. Yeah, just just putting a cherry on top of this. I mean... You know, he had his six targets. I'm, I'm looking at the Monday review tool because not all of our tools are, are fed at the time of um, this recording quite yet. Three, I mean, he was, he was a top 12 tight end in week one in terms of targets. Now, we didn't get Mark Andrews and we didn't get Travis Kelsey. But, I mean, Dave, he out-targeted Evan Ingram. He out-targeted Darren Waller in a game where they lost by 40 points. <laughs> you know, he out-targeted Pat Fryermuth. He... You know, he out-targeted Dalton Schultz. Uh, he out-targeted Tyler Higby, who was supposed to smash with Cooper Cup out. So, you know, he out-targeted, he doubled Kyle Pitts' targets. So, you know, you just, you look at it, <clears throat> it's one week, you know, we're just going to react. You're going to add him in your deep leagues. You don't need to go worry about it quite yet in FFPC unless, you know, you're just absolutely, you know, vacant at that position. But in tight end premium, he might be worth a flyer there. But I think in your deeper roster managed leagues like, uh, you know, those my fantasy league.com leagues that are so popular with, you know, 25 to 30 players, 
you know, if he's available there, I mean, he's, he's a no brainer ad and those leagues are usually so barren on the waiver wire. I would get pretty aggressive there. I'd be willing to go, you know, 25% plus of my fab in a situation like that. If you do want to make a bid in an FFPC style dynasty league, you know, there's going to be so many other players available on the waiver wire that you can probably, you know, give one to 3% of your budget and still land them. All right. We've covered a lot of ground. We've talked about a lot of players. Curtis, you are back in the, when one is like, you know, in the command center. Yeah. Is there like a specific like position that you're in? Like, you know what I mean? Are you like piloting this? You're, I guess, you know, you're commanding this, you know, where does one command from? I can't say you're in the pilot seat or I, you know, I'm looking for an analogy here and it, it's escaping me. You, you command from a mindset of dominating anyone you come into co- contact with okay. and right. that no one has a chance. No one has a chance if they don't outwork you and aren't thinking the same number of steps ahead that you are. So that's, that's the mindset okay. of this podcast. That's what we're going to continue to do. And we're just, I mean, we're going to put at least a half dozen other ships in the trophy case uh, this season, Dave. So that that's where I'm at. That's yep. what I'm going to be bringing to the table. You guys listen, you're going to win some too. All right. Glad to have everybody along. Curtis, uh, you are going to have to hit the outro music uh, as it's not on my side. So you're going to have to wrap things up here nicely again and then hit the drop.